Welcome to Worth It or Worthless, a show where every couple weeks we pull a game from my own personal collection of retro games, take off our nostalgia tinted glasses, and decide, is the game good by today's standards, and is it worth the price of admission? We talk about what the game does well, what the game doesn't do so well, and the things that are just plain weird. I'm your host, Dan, joined as always by my friend Jordan. Jordan, what did we get into today? This week, we played The Legend of Zelda for Nintendo Entertainment System. The Legend of Zelda is the story of Zelda, a girl who can't even be bothered to show up until the last 15 seconds of the game. Uh, she was kidnapped, first of all. I, that's fine. She can be kidnapped. Um, and not only that, Jordan, did you uh, do much in the way of researching the lore, the story of what's going on here? I read the 50-page manual. 50 pages of... I like this manual. This is... It's a good manual. Probably, and I don't have a running list of these, but this is probably my top retro game manual that I've encountered. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. Lots of content. So the reason um, that I ask if you looked into the lore <clears throat> is because there are two Triforces. There's a Triforce of Wisdom and a Triforce of Power. Yes. And so Ganon invades Hyrule and takes the Triforce of Power. So, wait, 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 wait. I thought there was three Triforces, hence Tri, Wisdom, Power. It's a triangle. Wisdom, Power. There's not a third Triforce? No, a Triforce, I think, is a triangle with some power. Interesting. All right. Continue. I was surprised to find that there were two. I never don't. I don't think I ever looked into it this far. So to prevent Ganon from getting another piece, and there may be three. You might be right. I could be wrong. Um, but to prevent Ganon from getting the Triforce of Wisdom, Zelda breaks it into eight pieces and put it in, puts it in these labyrinths for Link. Yes. Or, or for a hero to go find. Now, why... Did she, you're fighting all of these monsters in these dungeons because Princess Zelda put these pieces of the Triforce in these, these labyrinths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, why is a friendly character trying to kill you throughout this entire adventure? I don't think she's trying to kill you. She just like scattered them throughout the underworld. And maybe maybe those enemies aren't there protecting the Triforce pieces. Maybe they're there trying to get them and well, you're like racing them. The monsters are the guardians, the oh. bosses of the dungeons. They're guardians. Oh. Well, she didn't know that you were going to come to find them. Maybe they're the monsters. Yes, are- she did. She literally sends out her servant, I think Impa, yeah. to find a hero. Yeah. It says that in the manual, but yes. she does, Zelda doesn't know Link. She doesn't know that he's he's the one. So like you, you're quickly breaking up the Triforce, scattering them throughout these magical dungeons, and you're telling the monsters, hey, don't let anybody take this. You're not going to be like, don't let anybody take this except for whoever it is that Impa finds to come and get it. Well, she could have given Impa like an artifact or something to give to the chosen hero. So um, I just this is messed up. I just did uh, several hours of research. I'm just kidding. I just <laughs> I just googled it. Apparently, Ganon has the Triforce of Power. Zelda yes. has the Triforce of Wisdom, and Link has the Triforce of Courage. So, uh, what? Yeah, that's where. That's did each, he... each one of the triangles is the, okay. That makes sense. Yes. Um, and then combined, they are uh, maybe Triforce is kind of like Jedi, where it, like Triforce is the plural of Triforce. Okay. Um. So. Where does the Triforce of Courage come into this whole thing? I'm guessing now this is maybe a spoiler, but the game is also like over 30 years old. 
Uh, <laughs> Happy when birthday. You, when you kill Ganon at the end, he turns into a pile of meat with a Triforce piece stuck in it. <laughs> so I'm assuming that the Triforce was inside of you all along. Yeah, so uh, the Triforce okay. of Courage is inside okay. of Link. I'm not entirely sure how Zelda got the Triforce <laughs> of Wisdom out of her. Maybe that's why it's broken into so many pieces. Like You can't remove it from you without it shattering into a bunch of pieces. Well, maybe Ganon ate the Triforce of Power. Maybe it does look like a Dorito, so I I don't blame him. <laughs> I don't blame him. Uh, maybe Zelda Two is where we get the uh, the information on the Triforce of Courage. I don't know. I, I didn't have uh, didn't do the research on that. This is the thing with Zelda games is you really don't want to like try to figure out a coherent story that goes across the games. Now, Jordan, here's the problem with that. Well, I. I <laughs> I was going to agree with you before doing my Wikipedia research. Oh, let's hear it. Let's hear um, it. Uh, According to Wikipedia, within the official Zelda chronology, the Legend of Zelda takes place in an era called the Era of Decline, which exists within an alternative reality. Nice. In this era, Hyrule has been reduced to a small kingdom where the residents now live in caves, setting the background for the Legend of Zelda. The, the residents, like all six of them. So this is, right. So this is uh, an era in the Legend of Zelda's canon, apparently. Yeah, it's like, it, but, it sounds like there is some attempt at cohesiveness. It does call it an alternative universe. I don't know what the official uh, whatever statement on it is, but. There's definitely Zelda games that tie together and are direct sequels from each other. There are definitely ones that. You know the whole. The, oh, I think we talked <laughs> the about Legend this before. of Zelda, Zelda Two, Breath of the Wild, Breath of the Wild Two. <laughs> I think we'll probably have a different name for Breath of the Wild Two. A link to the past, uh, a link between worlds. There you go. Uh, Oracle of seasons. All uh, the oracles. <laughs> Oracle of ages. Uh, you are you just naming all the Zelda games at uh, this point? Uh, Wind Waker, Wind Waker HD. yes everybody i really i thought they were going to do a little bit different story but apparently it was just uh, the exact same one but with more clarity yeah so anyway you know we've talked about this before the zelda games are it's it's like a fairy tale you know where it's told time and time again it's the same kind of story but a little bit different a little bit different setting and that's fine is it is it a tale as old as the ocarina of time Tell is old as time. This is the new <laughs> thing. If you don't sing at least once on every episode of the podcast, then uh, you just have to delete it. That's a problem. All right, what else you got? What other fun facts? All right, let's get into Zelda? let's get into the fun facts. Obviously, I mean, if you're if you're listening to a retro game podcast, you know the Legend of Zelda, right? You've probably heard. You've of probably it. heard of it. Uh, developed and published by Nintendo. Uh, originally released in Japan, uh, February twenty first of nineteen eighty six on the Famicom Disk System, which is why this episode is coming out when it is because it is the week of the anniversary of the legend of zelda nice so look at that we'll tie in there uh we got it in july of 1987 in north america pal regions got it in november of 1987 ha beat you again pal region <laughs> and then apparently japan got this re-release uh on the famicom in 1994 I saw that there was a, a Satella view version yes, of this yes. as well that looked really cool. Like they yeah. upgraded the graphics and stuff. And then just, it feels to me, because that came across in my research as well. Like it feels to me like such a waste. Right? Like you think about how we talked about in the Excite Bike 
I cannot say excite bike ever in the excite bike episode. I can't say it. You guys <laughs> know what I'm talking about. Excite bike episode. Yes, in that one, we talked about the Bun Bun Mario, whatever, and battle was, royale. But yeah, and that game was sweet. But why didn't it ever exist? Why didn't we get that? And now yeah. same thing here. This cool new upgraded version of Legend of Zelda, and we didn't get it either. It seems you're right. It seems like such a waste that it was this time limited thing on this super like random software that nobody had or you know hardware what? or whatever it was. I just had a really interesting idea that I would love to see Nintendo do. Like I feel like this kind of thing, this Atelaview would be perfect for today. Like on the Switch, like limited time, like they're doing with Mario 35. You're literally just explaining what they do with well, the Mario 35. Well, that's what I'm saying. That like Mario 35 just triggered something in my brain. Like this would be great to bring back these kinds of experiences that were so uh, obscure nowadays that you can't really track down. Um, it'd be cool if they brought this back to life and, and gave us uh, BS Legend of Zelda no Detsensu. Your Japanese is getting really good. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I forgot what the name of it was. I knew. I don't. I don't know. What else you got? I don't know. Uh, I want this, more fun facts in my life. Uh, this was the first home console game to have an internal battery. Really? Really? So does that mean like all of our copies of Zelda are going to start dying soon if they are not dead already? That's depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this game sold over six and a half million copies, and it was the first NES game to sell over one million copies. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, killer app, as they call it. I don't think they called this that at the time. No, probably not. But I was thinking about it, uh, this and Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, like, like what? how a- in the world are those, like, I think uh, I was reading Super Mario Brothers was re-released as a launch game for, I think, the Famicom Disk System, along with Legend of Zelda. It's like, how did those two legendary games end up and i think they were being developed at the exact same time too it's incredible you think about two different genres two very different games two absolute global smash hits that are still sustaining Mm -hmm. nintendo to today yeah i mean those two games probably can sum up the the legacy of nintendo yeah to this day which is just completely crazy Nintendo's got lots of great IP, but nothing really comes close to those two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zelda 2 was released less than a year after this one came out. Yeah, not quite as much of a success there. <laughs> a little bit different of a game, which I, I would like to cover on the podcast at some point. Sounds like a bad time. <laughs> Jordan's only played 20 minutes of Zelda 2, so he hasn't really seen its merits yet. Which means I have a fully formed opinion. Yeah. I'll give it a yeah. shot. I'm gonna, I'll give it my honest best. Yeah. Um, one of the th- interesting things that I saw about the way that this game is kind of designed, uh, Miyamoto wanted to force players to kind of communicate with the world a specific way. Okay. Um, to, to talk to the like the NPCs and stuff to figure out the world. He was trying to like usher in a, a new form of game communication, which I thought was interesting because um, it's like you have... Are you saying like at this time, like in an adventure game, you wouldn't normally like talk to an NPC who would give you hints for a different part of the world? Not necessarily. Like apparently in the original, like when they were testing stuff, you started off with the sword. And then uh, he said that... uh, I I saw this. Like people were complaining. 
I saw people were complaining the game was too hard, and he's like, well, what if you start the game without the sword and make it even harder because I gave you the sword to start with, and so you should have been grateful. Now you have to go talk <laughs> to an old man to get the sword. Well, he said, he said uh, that the players were getting confused trying to navigate the dungeons. And then he said, rather than merely simplifying, this is a week, oh, another Wikipedia quote, rather than merely simplifying matters for the players, Miyamoto forced the player to listen to the old man who gives the player their sword and encouraged interaction among people to share their ideas with each other to find the various hidden secrets, a new form of gaming communication. Gotcha. Okay. So the idea is you don't just start with the sword. You have to go into the cave, talk to the guy, and then that is giving you the, the concept of I need to seek out yes. NPCs and talk to them to get yes. hints. But Another big part of it that sounds like maybe what he's saying is like I as a gamer and you as a gamer, we have to talk to each other and help figure out all of these more obscure puzzles that maybe an NPC doesn't give you. It yeah, I didn't take it like, the first way, but now that I'm reading it again, um, it sounds kind of like that, which is another it's a point that I have kind of to, to talk about a little bit later once we get more into the the, the good and bad of this game. But um, yeah, I thought it was interesting to try to to usher in a new form of communication seems pretty pretentious Miyamoto <laughs> um I know that you're you don't necessarily agree with this because you had a different experience but this almost feels like another Final Fantasy 7 situation where what, I walked away from that game going I can see how revolutionary this RPG was from 1997 at the time gotcha and the same thing where, where I was playing Legend of Zelda I'm like man I can't imagine this game feels equally as unique and important to gaming as that as Final Fantasy VII felt to me for JRPGs at that time. Yeah, this is the first time I've ever sat down and spent any significant time with this game. And I've always kind of had like a... I've always kind of like looked down on this game as like, ah, you know, maybe (laughs) it was great at the time and it doesn't really hold up and it just like, I never understood it. Yeah. And now that I've played it and played through the whole thing... I have a much bigger appreciation. I can see Mm. like, wow, this isn't just like something that was great at the time. Like you can see how this really affected um, the, like the history of gaming. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I've got a couple other tiny little things. Uh, Zelda was named after uh, F Scott Fitzgerald's wife, Zelda Fitzgerald, the writer. Nice. So that was like just an interesting like little thing. I was like, huh. Uh, Apparently Link was named so <laughs> oh after a retin link <laughs> yes yes uh it was he was linked it, he was linked that's what i'm trying to say uh it, he was named to connect players to the world to give them a wow. link that was that was one part of it the other part was they were thinking about doing some like technology stuff with the triforce of course and so like with the computer theme it was like hyperlink it was a computer thing so that is how link got his name apparently <laughs> Weird. You know, it's kind of funny. I've heard numerous times they've always thought about doing like a more futuristic Zelda game. Like even Breath of the Wild, they have like the sketches of like it was going to be in the future and Link was going to ride a motorcycle and the motorcycle ended up making it into the DLC. Cyberpunk, what year does Breath of the Wild take place? The the Calamity? Is it the... Yeah, the Calamity. The Calamity Ganon. It it is interesting (laughs) that this is a concept that they've been constantly flirting with for 30 years, but we've never quite gotten that futuristic Zelda. I'm sure sometime in our lifetime we will get it. But uh, it's interesting that all the way back to the beginning, they were flirting with that idea. Yeah, yeah. And throughout the the franchise, apparently they've brought in technology in one way or the other. But That's true. I mean, you um, have the... um, the Wii U that you use in, in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. The, the Sheikah yeah. Slate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, one last little thing. 
Apparently on the Famicom, the little rabbit enemies that you can take out with an arrow. Oh, what are they called? They're called. They're all called something weird, and none of the names make sense. But uh, you could use the Famic- the microphone on the Famicom to defeat them by yelling or blowing into the microphone. That's how you, really, I guess, killed them in the, the Japanese version of this game. That's great. You know, it's funny. They're called Pol's voice. P-O-L-S voice. <sighs> Terrible. So it kind of makes sense that you could kill them with your voice. I mean, okay, the name makes sense, but... It actually says right in the manual, a ghost with big ears and a weak point. He hates loud noise. (laughs) Which doesn't mean anything to us with an NES because our controllers didn't have a microphone. But he hates loud noise. Maybe if you had a Famicom controller, you'd know I should probably scream into my microphone. Scream. (laughs) Yeah, it reminds me of, remember Donkey Konga? The like bongo game. Yes, I've never played it. Okay, so the whole idea was it had a microphone on there. It didn't actually register when you were hitting the bongos. There was a microphone that would register when you hit the bongos. So you could just hold the congas up when you're supposed to play really fast and just scream into the microphone. (laughs) And it would like register like super fast hits and you'd get a ton of bonus points. That's hilarious. Yeah. All right, my friend. Uh, We this is gonna be this is gonna be a long one. So we should probably. Let's just, jump in. Just get into what the game does well. The first thing that I have, and this is kind of, you need to just hang with me here because there's some some parts to this. The first thing that stands out is I loved the first two thirds of this game. Okay. Like absolutely loved it. Um, it kept me engaged. I had a sense of exploration and adventure. Um, and the, a lot of that came from talking to the NPCs, using the information from the manual, and, and I was able to find the first um, six dungeons and like get a lot of the items and do everything I needed to and for those first two thirds of the game it felt like an adventure it felt like I was exploring and finding stuff and hunting down clues and using the information that I had and I had a great time so spoiler alert the game doesn't do well on Jordan's list the last third of the game there you go (laughs) that might be the number one thing on my what it didn't do so well list but before we go there I want to talk about you know the 66% of this game that I love absolutely loved uh, it might be more than sixty six percent. Well, I'm just saying. Know. I'm just saying the the first six dungeons out of nine. Okay. I had a great time with. Uh, yes. I mean, I feel like that sort of encompasses a lot of. Uh, I like the items in this game, the upgrades, the the stuff that you're you're getting. Uh, it's like you start the game with a sword. You don't even yeah. You start with nothing, but then you get the sword right away. And then it's like, oh, you get a boomerang, and that adds like a new element to the the gameplay. Yeah. And you get arrows, and then you get like the the raft and the, yep. like the ladder that could go and like let you go over. Opens water up, and letting you go over water. You got the bombs that open up. Well, you can kill stuff with the bombs. You can open up secret passageways. Yeah. You got the magic wand that lets you use. A you got the attack. magic wand. But you never got the magic wand. Nope, sure didn't. Um, which is another thing that I think is interesting. Um, yes. You got the whistle that does stuff. (laughs) So that actually is an interesting item as I was like doing my research and stuff. 
Uh, apparently that thing on the overworld will take you to any dungeon you've beaten already. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. You use the whistle on the overworld and it fast transports you? Yeah, apparently. I didn't know that. I didn't, didn't try know that it. Either. I never, that would have been super helpful. Yeah, you think? Did you ever find the uh, the underground passageways or whatever? Yeah, which ones? The ones that where you it's like three stairs and then it'll teleport you throughout the world. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Those were great. Although I never could remember yeah. which one was which, so I'd have to well, try them all a few times. Yeah, it changed based on which whichever one you entered. Yeah. Um Yeah, so there was a little, little bit of fast little, traveling, which is kind of crazy in a um, 1987 game. Yeah. Yeah, well, 1986. All right, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't exist until it existed in North America. Whatever, man. Um Yes. I agree with you. I'm trying to think about, because it's like, I'm trying to incorporate some of the points because like I have like, I like the variety that each item adds to the gameplay. Yeah. Which is like what kind of you're saying is you're going through these first six dungeons. The game's fun. You're exploring the world. You're using the manual, which has a partially completed map. It's like, hey, here's a question mark on this particular screen. So, you know, there's a secret here. Yeah. Um, You get a candle, which... I was like annoyed with the candle at first because you get the blue candle. Yeah. And uh, you got to burn down bushes and stuff to find secrets. And I was like, I can only use this once per screen. This is annoying. And then I got the red candle. I was like, oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> I yes. see what you're supposed to do here. The red now. candle upgrades your blue candle yeah. and lets you use it as many times as you like. Which is nice for finding random secrets in the world. And then you can also upgrade your magic wand. So not only does it shoot out like wave you beams. Can upgrade I know. Your magic well, wand. those of us who um, got good at the game, you can use the magic wand and it also shoots out <laughs> so fire. I got good at the game. <laughs> I don't know like what order you're supposed to get the items in, but I got the red candle, was really excited about it and being able to shoot out multiple fire. And then I like very shortly, I don't know, like the very next thing that I did was find the magic book, which lets you shoot out fire out of your wand. And then I was like, well, this candle's kind of worthless now. Yeah, uh, I got the magic book. It was worthless because I didn't have the magic wand. Yeah, it doesn't do anything, which apparently in Japan, the magic book was called the Bible, <laughs> which is funny. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm trying to, th- like, you You kind of threw a wrench into my what the game does well. As I'm, like, looking at my notes, it's like, well, these kind of, uh, all these. Well, here, let me simplify it down a little bit with this next one. Or maybe we'll just get more specific. Yeah, we'll sure, get more yes. specific, more specific. Um, I loved the combat system, and this kind of ties into what you're talking about with the weapons. This, The part of this game that I never really thought about before was the combat. Like, I kind of thought, like, yeah. I'm trying to explore this world, and the enemies are just getting in the way but the longer i played this game and the better i got at Mm -hmm. fighting all the different kinds of enemies i realized that a huge part of this game is not just exploring but getting to where you're trying to go with enough health to make it through the dungeon or whatever so you have to get good at um fighting the different kinds of enemies and knowing what are their weaknesses and as you progress through this game and you get you know you start with just the sword and the shield and then you get arrows and the boomerang and the bombs and the wand and some enemies will drop this like stopwatch that freezes time mm-hmm. and all of these different things to combine combine to like give you so many different options to approach each fight and um it's like a really it's just a complex interplay of like attacking and defending and like um, trying to be aggressive and pulling back and being defensive because you don't want to lose too much health and i came to really appreciate the combat system in this game and a big part of it is the complex system of all these different items and weapons that you use strategically. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting 
because the combat system uh, adds to this sort of good feeling of getting more powerful. Like when you get the blue ring, which I got the blue ring. I don't think you did. No, I never bought the blue ring because it was too expensive, but I found the red ring and it's better. So forget the well, blue ring. Well, I could give it to you in Dungeon 9. But <laughs> That's true. I got it at the very end of the game. <clears throat> The the blue ring cuts your damage that you take in half. And then there's also uh, the white sword, I think is what it's called, and then the magic sword, which double your damage and then double it again. Um, and so the, even that, like you're walking through this world, you're taking less damage, you're doing more damage, it starts to feel really good. Uh, and you're you're learning about what enemies are weak to what. And uh, yeah, it's... it's uh, there are... Th- I appreciate on sort of like a... A macro level the combat um i don't know if it feels particularly great all of the time which we'll talk about in a little yeah. bit but i appreciate that enemies have weaknesses and like the items change the way that you interact with the world and um even when you watch like speedrunners deal with this game it's like yeah it's pretty mind-breaking the way that they're like able to bomb enemies and and to i don't want to say break the combat system but in a way it's it's not like breaking it it's like using it in a way that it wasn't necessarily intended yeah but they're like taking it to the limits it's it's, yeah. it's impressive yeah. and i never got anywhere close to that but i yeah. felt like that sometimes when i got just the right way to fight an enemy yeah one of the other side notes that i have that is kind of about the combat system is the shooting the, the swords the beam swords. yes oh yeah i forgot to say that yeah that's incredible you don't think of like zelda as a shooter but holy crap, when you're fully powered up and you can shoot your sword. Oh, holy it, crap. Yeah, it feels great. <laughs> like, sure, you've got the wand, which you didn't have, but the wand doesn't it doesn't do as much damage. And sure, you got arrows, but those take away your rupees. And you got the boomerang, but it doesn't do as much damage. That fully powered up short sword that you can shoot is so good. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's a love-hate thing, uh, I think, because it's like it, the game becomes so frustrating when you don't have the beam sword. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's but just it feels like, so good when you do why have bother? it. It, I think it encourages rewind and save state, which is what Nintendo was really trying to intend with that. Yeah, yeah. Back in 1986, yeah. they really had a, They were thinking about rewind. And well, save that's state. what the internal battery is for. Oh, okay, <laughs> good. You had to have a special Famicom remote to um, do the rewind and save states. <laughs> you you to, did it by screaming you had to blow into the it. <laughs> uh, Jordan, one of the things I have. The music, of course. Of course. Of course. Not just the music, but the sound effects and yeah. like um, when you interact, when you solve a puzzle or beat a, oh, yeah, a boss yeah, and it gives yeah. you like that special little like one do, do, bar do, do, melody. Do, do. Yeah. Oh man, it's so good. Yeah. Or the do, 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 whatever the bomb. You found a secret. Yeah. Uh, that, that little jingle. Apparently the uh, there's only five music tracks in this game. Yeah, you have the overworld, the, the dungeon, the... Last dungeon. Last dungeon. And you have the game over slash death screen. Yep. Uh, and I don't know what the other. The one menu. Is. The like the main menu screen maybe. Uh, well, dun, the, dun. The, the main menu is just a longer version of the overworld thing. Oh, that's I think. a good point. That's a good. Anyways, point. it's uh, it's. The, Wikipedia said there's only five tracks. And it's crazy because all of them have, were so iconic, and even the sound effects so iconic that they have still like, they're still being used in Zelda games today. Yeah, and uh, apparently the overworld theme was written in one day. Oh man! Like so. sometimes you just sometimes you work on a project, 
and you have to iterate and iterate and iterate and then like on the eighth time you get something amazing but every now and then there's just like you hit gold the first try and you know there's no point in coming up with an alternative i'm not going to even come and present (laughs) an alternative because this is the one and boom they did it right there well it was the alternative they were going to use yeah so koji kondo wanted to use a different great name by uh, the way yes one of the great video game composers of all time um he had a classical piece picked out for the overworld i guess and the copyright still hadn't expired on it so he had to write the overworld theme that we have now in in a single day so good yeah so i'm pretty happy about that It's it's a good it's not a lot there's not a lot of music but it's all pretty good. I don't love the level nine, like the Gannet. Duh, 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 duh. Not really my favorite, but the rest of it is all like, yeah, I like this soundtrack. Same, same. You know what else was really interesting, Dan? We, uh, oh, oh. See, again, this is a, rhetor- a rhetorical <laughs> thing. You don't have to answer. I'm sorry. I'm setting you up, asking for your opinion, when I don't really want it. It's like Jeopardy. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, after coming off of two episodes of playing beat 'em up games, which was great, Super Double Dragon and then Scott Pilgrim. Yes. Something that I noticed is that there were almost 40 types of enemies in this game. <sighs> Are you Something, counting the blue and the orange versions? Just like between bosses, sub bosses, oh, okay. enemies. Almost 40 different types of enemies. That's insane. Yeah. When you think about like even in a beat 'em up game, we always complain. It's like you got the same five guys and they're just reskinned and you're beating them up over and over and over. And then here you have an adventure game with almost 40 different types of enemies. They all move differently, and um, some of them you have to use specific weapons. And it's like, you know, it's a basic 8-bit game, but by having so many different enemy types, it made the game feel so much bigger. And uh, I I don't know. I like that. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that plays into the point of the variety of gameplay and items. It feels like the enemy types and variety also play into that a bit as well yeah um and it's almost like i'd I'd be curious to look more into how this game was developed if it was like okay well we have this wand so we need an enemy that is specifically weak to the wand (laughs) or they came up with the items yeah it's interesting did they come up with the enemies and then create items or did they come with the items and create the enemies yeah i don't know but it would make sense to think that they probably grew together yeah um I, that's a really interesting point but yeah this game again it's like the the final fantasy 7 point that i made it's like this game is pretty mind-blowing for when it came out and just to think about it being like this open world adventure that you don't technically have to tackle in order no you could you could theoretically go like to one of the later dungeons you can't go to the last one until you've beaten all the others but you could go right to dungeon eight um right after the first dungeon and just get your butt kicked or it'll lock you out because you don't have the, like the item you need to get over like water or there's sometimes there's some dungeons, sometimes there yeah. are but i, I think you can like go this... into the whatever dungeon you want yep but sometimes it will stonewall you until you get into a an earlier dungeon to get the item that you need which even that's an interesting point you can miss items in this game yeah i uh I got to whatever boss it is that you have to have the arrows to kill. And mm-hmm. I didn't have the bow. I had the arrow, but I didn't have a bow. And I was like, oh, you you have to have the bow and arrow. And like you one just of the, throw the arrows. One of the NPCs tells you you have to <laughs> shoot it in the eye. And it's like, oh, okay. So I should have the bow. And I had to go back and find the bow and arrow. Did you blow on the whistle to get back to that dungeon? <laughs> no. I Man, I really wish. Like, I don't know if I missed that in the manual, if that's just not in the manual. but I think also 
when you blow the whistle, I think uh, the flute, whatever it's called, I think it's the same as the Mario 3 sound effect for when you blow the flute. I was just thinking, like, what was yeah. up with Nintendo and these, like, magical traveling whistles? Is that, like, part of Japanese culture that there's magical traveling <laughs> whistles or recorders or flutes or whatever that is? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But back to your point, yes, variety of enemies. Something the game does well. Excellent. Yes, yes. Uh, second quest, Jordan. Second quest. I didn't do it. I've always, it's been, it's like a bucket list thing. And I wish I would have spent more time earlier on this game to get through the second quest. Because I've always wanted to do it. After you beat this game, it changes stuff on you. Yeah, they'll mix around the dungeons, put stuff in different order. I saw something really interesting. Speaking of fun facts, do you know why there's a second quest in this game, Dan? Um, I feel like it's one. It's probably one of those things, like the perceived value or something. I don't know. Tell so me why. you guys may remember, like with the history of video games, there was the whole like chip shortage thing, mm. and Nintendo, I guess, was very very stringent on cartridge size. Like, there's these different size cartridges, and so for small games, they would they wouldn't use a giant. Um, yeah. a cartridge with a lot of space on it if it only needed a little bit. But you kind of it was hard to estimate what you needed beforehand going in because you didn't realize like you know they didn't have the mm. tools really to estimate. Yeah. So they got done with the first quest of Zelda and realized that it was only going to fill half the cartridge and they were oh, afraid wow. that Nintendo would nix it because it was too big for the smallest cartridge but not big enough only big enough to fill up half of the bigger cartridge and so they added the second quest to fill up the cartridge and huh. justify it to Nintendo and the rest is history. Interesting. I don't know like how much in danger they were of actually getting canceled if they would have played the game and realized like no this is a freaking good game. But it would how crazy it would be if we didn't have Zelda because Nintendo didn't want to waste money on empty cartridge space. Well, that uh... It was a Nintendo first party game though. Like how would it, how would Nintendo have not approved of their Nintendo Dude, game? They everybody's been... got bosses. Everybody's got a boss who's looking at a bottom <laughs> line and they don't maybe even care how good the game is because you know, the games didn't have to be good in the eighties to sell if yeah, it had it's, cool art or true. cool concept. So, you know, if if the boss sees, Hey, you're not using half the space, we could put out some other game and make more money. Yeah. Yeah. Is, you got to think like what well, we looked at the credits there was like six people who worked on this game or something mm-hmm. it's not like you know not like today where you're spending hundreds of millions of dollars and having thousands of people working on a game yeah i need to get around to the second quest though i've never beaten it and this is actually the only the second time i've ever beaten this game all the way through i'm i need to go back and i need to beat ganon i made it all the way to the ninth dungeon got to ganon died never even saw him didn't even know <laughs> I and mean, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but I, I haven't beaten him. I'm all the way to the final fight and I haven't beaten him. I ran out of time, had to come here to record and I'm going to beat him. I don't know that I'm going to take on the second quest because I've had a good time and I might just want to like leave it where it is. I've put in my eight hours into this, just under eight hours. Wow. And yeah. How long did yours take? I have you no know? idea. If you look on your, like go to the NES app and hit X on each game, it'll tell you how long yeah. you played it. I don't know if you've played it before today, but this was my first time. So I literally just said, this is my second time playing it all the way through. Well, I, so you played it on Are the original NES. Are you listening to me, Jordan? Rarely. No, I kind of just Come like, on. I don't usually listen to what you say. I'm just thinking about what I'm yeah, going to say. Yeah, next. usually. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I originally played it on the NES. Gotcha. Okay. Um, probably. I would guess it's like a decade ago now. Um, 
so I don't think it took me that long because I kind of remembered a lot about this game. I yeah. tried to minimize my save states and walk through for the first two thirds of the game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't use any walkthrough. I didn't have to look anything up online until I got stumped trying to find the seventh dungeon. Yeah, but it was the manual, though, that gave you like all of that information. The manual gave me a lot of it. The NPCs gave me the rest. Yeah, so the game, it's not like the game really, you need, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. I know, right? We'll get there. <laughs> Let's keep talking about what it does well. You got anything else? Uh, I got a couple things. One of the things that I've written down, this is just a silly thing about the items again. I like that the arrows use rupees. It was. It's an interesting game mechanic for sure. Yeah. It stinks early on when you need your rupees and you're trying to buy stuff. Yeah. But later on in the game, it feels like a good mechanic. Yeah. But I wish the bombs used the rupees as well. <laughs> that's annoying. Bombs you, are a little bit harder to find. Although, once did you ever did you get the bomb upgrade? No, I didn't get the bomb upgrade. But I, I was about to say there are ways to upgrade your bomb capacity. But I just I wish I could bomb my way through a wall whenever I want. Yeah, I kind of stumbled onto the bomb upgrade on accident and I didn't even know what was happening. There's this old man, <laughs> there's this old man and he has a thing in front of him that says minus 100 rupees and then above his head it says, would you like more bombs or something like that? And I was like, <laughs> minus 100 rupees, like what is this? It doesn't like, there's not like a bomb sitting there with like a plus sign it's just like, all right, I guess I'm going to go and waste all of my rupees because I didn't have that many. Yeah. I uh, hope this does something good. And it's like, boom, now I can hold 16 bombs. And I was, yes, that was a game changer. It wasn't like the the old lady that's like, this isn't enough. Oh, those are funny. <laughs> yeah. And the best one is, so there's, there's, there's this lady. If you've never played this game or just you've forgotten, there's an old lady in a cave. And it actually happens a couple times. And she has like minus 10 rupees, minus 20 rupees, minus 50. And she's like extorting you for bribe money to give you some information. And if you give her too little, she's like, nope, that's not enough. And so she you, specifically talks like this. I don't remember what Homestar Runner character that is, but it's one of the teen girl squad. <laughs> yeah, she's part of the teen girl squad, but she's an old lady with no teeth. And so. The first one you meet, you have to give her the max amount of money she's asking for, and then she gives you the the hint to go wherever you're supposed to go. <laughs> the second one you run into, I instantly think, oh, I need to give her the 50 rupees or whatever. And you give her too much, and she's like, I don't remember what she says, but it was essentially like, ha ha, sucker. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I was supposed to give her the, the, the middle amount, amount of yeah. money. It's like freaking the three bears over yeah. here. Yeah. Like, I'll give you a hint. Now, I'm not going to give you a hint because you paid me too much. Thanks, sucker. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to go watch Homestar Runner. We, we referenced the cheat in the last episode, and now Teen Girl Squad. Uh, the last thing that I have, Jordan, that this game does well is I like that our experience of the game was so different. What do you mean? Oh, that like I found stuff you didn't, you found stuff yeah, that I didn't. Like, we were talking a little bit yesterday, and you were like talking about the wand, and I was like, I didn't find that, and then I was, I you got had the, the ring, ring and, and I didn't get that, and like. Um, it just, it's, this game is so, uh, it's so open-ended in some ways where it's like, I couldn't find, I knew that there was a hint somewhere for the fifth dungeon. I couldn't find the fifth dungeon when I wandered around the world for like 30 or 40 minutes. Which one is that? It's the one where you got to go up, up, up the mountain. Oh yeah. Go up, up, up the mountain. Um, and on that point that our experiences are so different. I feel like this is one of the games that established like playground culture. Like, Hey, have you heard that if you yeah. this, then that, well, that's what I was thinking when you talked about Miyamoto wanting the player to communicate. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if he meant just with the NPCs or with each other, but you're right. Like so much of gaming lore when we were kids came from talking to other kids. Now I was, 
this game came out before I was born. So like kids were still playing it when I was old enough to play it, but you know, things had moved on, but I'm thinking about like a game like Pokemon that was definitely talking and like sharing stuff. But I wish that I had been old enough to play this game when everybody was talking about it, because I feel like I would have actually been able to find some of that stuff. Yeah. I feel like it's almost, uh, part of the point. Cause like even, like on the discord i was like i can't find the fifth dungeon and then it was like there was a conversation about yeah we didn't nobody told you exactly what it was but they gave you a hint and it's funny because that specific hint an npc tells you a hint to like go look in the waterfall and then you go in there and then that doesn't just like straight up tell you what to do that npc gives you another hint and so it's like you stringing together hints to figure out this stuff oh yeah and even the waterfall like i saw the hint about the waterfall but by the time i had the item to go into the waterfall I had forgotten that, like, I hadn't tried to walk into the waterfall. Yeah. And it was like this whole thing where communicating about this game felt like an interesting and essential part of the experience. And I liked that a lot. And my favorite game of all time is Spelunky. Okay. And, like, there's a very specific uh, series of steps that you need to go through to get the real ending, to get to, like, the secret world and beat the game the real way. And it almost was like, oh, this is like just straight up Legend of Zelda. Like, if you do this, then you got to do this. Then yeah. You and it was almost like I, I, this game felt like really important. And I don't know, I don't know how many games actually had that as part of the playground culture. Um, like, I don't know what kids you said. You mentioned Pokemon. I don't know what other games we were talking about on the playground as kids. I think about like specifically. Um, Legend of Zelda, I'm going to say it wrong because this is how I grew up saying it, Ocarina of Time, um, <laughs> the fetch quest where you are getting the Goron sword and you're like running back and forth across the the whole entire world and you got to take the, the frogs and the eyes and you get the big sword and you got to get like all of this stuff. And I remember talking with kids and like we'd have part of that thing done and you'd be like, oh no, you need to go and talk to this person and get this. And so like that is another game yeah. around the exact same time as Pokemon. Like I, I'm having vivid memories of like fourth, fifth and sixth grade being yeah. on the playground and talking about this stuff yeah i don't know how much the playground was influenced by legend of zelda but i feel like it was a lot yeah that's that's uh i think that's all i'll say about that and that's all i'll say about that and that is all for the legend of zelda what the game does well roll the credits do you have anything else uh that's gonna do it for me all right my friend let's get into what the game doesn't do so well the final third of the game and this is why they're you know the the clues and the npcs and the stuff in the manual just completely ran dry there weren't enough clues i had to run around randomly just bombing walls and burning bushes and uh i just it started to dry up that sense Mm -hmm. of exploration and adventure it's like i've seen this whole world i don't know where to look um the final dungeon is just like an extra stab in the heart because it's huge it's at least twice as big as any other dungeon and it's almost impossible 
to do without just wandering around aimlessly bombing every wall and just hoping that you find what you're looking for. Yeah. And it seems like all of this, all of the problems with dungeon seven, eight, and nine, the final third of the game could be solved by just like small things. Give us some hints. Yeah. Maybe improve the underworld and overworld maps by just like giving us tiny bits of hints on what to do, where to go. And, um, I just felt like that stuff that was so helpful early on dried up and you're really just reduced to either asking somebody like back in the day. Nowadays, it's just going and looking it up online or wandering around aimlessly and just trying to bomb and burn stuff until you find what you're looking for. Yeah, I think that's why I was like, I wish the rupees were used for bombs. It's yeah. It's like when you get into this last dungeon, which I also have written down is what the game doesn't do so well. Um it just becomes this, like I got stuck at one point and I think the game actually bugged because um, I didn't get the the master key or, or the magic key, whatever it's called. The key yeah. that lets you use it an un, unlimited number of times. Yeah. And so I was using like the, the save state feature on the switch to like keep track of my game instead of the actual save inside of the game itself. And so I got stuck where a door that's supposed to automatically open when you defeat all the enemies in a room wouldn't open when I walked back into the room. So I wandered around for a few minutes and um, then I ended up reloading my save because it wouldn't progress and I was out of bombs and out of keys. Yeah. So there was nothing I could do about it, but uh, I reloaded and I ended up back in world eight and I was like, are you kidding me? What am I doing? <laughs> Dummy Dan should have made a, a save state. But I ended up like then looking it up because I was thinking, I was like, oh, I must, uh, I was supposed to have the master key. This wouldn't have been an issue if I had the master key because then I could get through the doors that I couldn't unlock. Yeah. Um, so I replayed the eighth dungeon, got the 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 key. Super and then it helpful. It wasn't, wasn't uh, as much of a problem when I went back to World 9. But I did use a walkthrough for World 9. I used it the second time for world or for world eight dungeon eight. Um, but to your larger point, the the last third of this game was where I started breaking down and like, I'm using save states. I'm using rewind. I just can't with this, some of this silliness anymore. Like the, uh, the, the hood guys that shoot the, the whiz robes, the, is that what they're called? Whiz robes, whiz robes. They're in the new game still. They're the worst, the worst. Um, did you have the magic shield? Yes. Mm. And they were still damaging me. The, the blue hard ones part were. is that they stack up on each other and they'll shoot twice. And so your shield might block the first one and not the second one. Yeah. And it's hard. They're definitely like my favorite thing would be when you were killing those guys and one of them, like the first one you kill would drop a stopwatch and you're like, thank you. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the, 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 the guys with the, like the helmets with the spikes on their head, like the sword moblin shield. I don't know. The guys that you couldn't hit from the front, you had to hit it from the side. Oh, dark nuts. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, dark nuts. <laughs> Didn't like those guys. Um, no, those are hard. Those are really hard to kill. Yeah, the, I don't know. So there's, you a, there's a lot I don't remember here. if you could bomb them. You could bomb them, but you had to hit them in the back still, so it's not get helped. Yeah, so I don't know. The, the ninth dungeon left a lot to be desired. And I feel like little touches could have, have yeah. helped that a bit. I get that they were like trying to crank up the difficulty like for the end, but it's not even just like the difficulty, but just the obscureness of not knowing what to do. There, yeah. It's not like a modern Zelda game where it's like, I need to blow up that wall, obviously, because it's a different color and like you can see there's rocks blocking something. Yeah, It's like, no, this is a wall that looks like every other wall 
Yeah. And you just have to yeah. know. You have to hope. Well, and that's that changed in the future. Obviously, Nintendo knew it was kind of a problem since it's... Uh, yeah, they fixed it. It is... You cannot beat the game without bombing random walls. Nope. Which is like, that's weird. Like, if you didn't... I, I mean, get like, it's fine. I don't care if you hide a heart container or a non-essential item or something. Yeah. There, there are some where you, you bomb a thing and you find a guy who gives you rupees or something whatever that's fine do that make it a super secret cool thing but making it like an actual part of having to beat the game i didn't love that yeah and that kind of plays into something that i have uh that the game i think steers sometimes too far with a lack of hand holding yeah i agree and the biggest thing to me and I, i was trying to make this point earlier and didn't make it very well i wish that like the dungeon maps you have to so when you go into a dungeon uh, the, there's a compass. You find the compass and it will show you the general direction of the boss. That's mm. helpful. Then there's a map and the map will show you all of the rooms yep. in the dungeon, which is great. But it doesn't show you all of the rooms because it won't show you secret rooms right. and it won't show you. So if the map that you find and you worked hard to find would just show you all of the rooms and show you where the items are, like how, why, yeah. why didn't my map show me where the the bow and arrow was uh, an essential item to beat the game that you have to get out of this early dungeon. Yeah. I just put that on the map. Little tiny things like making the map better would have like maybe highlight which false walls there are on the map. Yeah. Something, anything, maybe not even all of them, just some of them. Yeah. And I feel like, so I feel like there's a, a contradiction to the point that we're making though, because it's like, if we're going to look at these games from, modern perspectives yeah we have the internet so is it fair to dock the legend of zelda since it's so easy to access the, <laughs> the, the hard part with it, this is the thing so i think there's a difference between reading the 50 page manual and reading a walkthrough yeah now the manual does have a walkthrough of how to get to the first dungeon and it gives you a partial walkthrough and how to get to the second one mm-hmm. And it gives you a lot of information, but that is very specific select information that today would be included on screens in the game. Yeah. Yes, but I understand they couldn't put 50 pages worth of of content into the game. I don't know if that would have, maybe it would have been possible. They apparently had the space. I think there's a difference between what the developers specifically curated to get mm-hmm. you started and here's a walkthrough that's going to handhold you step-by-step step through every single room in every single dungeon. Yeah, and I like me using the manual to do the first six dungeons felt good because I felt like an explorer with a map that has just enough detail to let me be adventurous using the walkthrough to get through the last dungeon was like, okay, I'm going to go up in this room. Just skip that room. You don't even need to. It's like, well, now there's no sense of exploration or adventure because somebody's telling me exactly what to do every single step of the way. So there's a difference between I'm a modern gamer and I need handholding. And this is like the bare minimum that you should give me to like, be able to play the game yeah and i mean it's just it's an, a more of like a existential uh question that i've been asking myself it's like if i'm gonna try to judge old games by modern standards do i factor in the internet to the question since it is we now do have safe states and rewinds and the internet to like get ourselves unstuck and so it's like what is the legend of zelda like in 2020 yeah. and is it fair to criticize the fact that it doesn't hold your hand because now I can get myself unstuck. And I tried to not abuse the the modern technology 
Um, like I tried to fight the fifth dungeon for like 30 or 40 minutes yeah. and I just couldn't do it. And then once the sixth dungeon rolled around, which was harder than like, I think the seventh and the eighth dungeon. Um, I don't remember. It just, I was like, yep, I didn't think that I'm any good. of I'm done. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm cheesing my way <laughs> through this game now. I didn't feel like any of the dungeons were like overly hard except for the ninth one. This is, this is the thing though. I, I agree with you. Like having the internet there is great. Um, it kind of stinks that Nintendo doesn't give you the manual on like the Switch online service. I did just end up going. They have them all on their website. Though. Yeah. So I just went and end up saving the PDF from Nintendo's website as an icon on my screen, on like my home screen on my phone. Yeah. And and so you're right. Like if you're playing this game today, I'd say definitely read the manual play through as much of the game as you can with the manual. But if you get stuck and you're playing for 30, 40 minutes and you can't find the next thing, it's okay to go. And, <laughs> you're and not going to find it up. yourself. Yeah. It's okay. Just go, <laughs> go and look it up. It's, it's not any different than yeah. like what you would have done back in the day, hopping on, uh, you know, like calling your friend or hopping on instant messenger <laughs> or whatever and being like, well, I can't figure out what to do. Like those things don't make the game bad. I like, I didn't have a bad time with this game, even though I had to resort to some of that stuff. I still had a good time. So yeah, um, you're right. Like it's, it's not saying this game is bad because I had to do that. Um, it was just different. It feels like an essential part of the experience if you're coming to this for the first time. And it's, everybody talks about it. Like it's, yeah. it's not like this like hidden secret thing that people don't know. Like if you talk about out with people who know and have played through this game, it's like, oh yeah, you're going to have to burn every bush. You're going to have to bomb every wall. Yeah. Like it's just, a, a, it's like, if you don't want to do that, just look it up. Here's the, I think as I'm sitting here processing, you know, this whole thing, I think it's different because some retro games are bad because they're not fun to play. Yeah. Not knowing what to do and being able to easily access the information, I don't think ruins this game and makes it not fun to play. Unless you're specifically trying to challenge yourself to do it without any help. Yeah. Which, good luck. Yeah. Um, it's it's more fun. I, I was talking to uh, somebody on Discord about playing Zelda 2. It's like, I've beaten Zelda 2 once. I used a walkthrough. Don't deal with all the nonsense where you don't know what to do. Just use a walkthrough and the game will be fun. And I feel like it's kind of here too. It's just like, just embrace the fact that a walkthrough is going to make this See, game more like, fun. I, I don't, the idea of like using a walkthrough for an entire game doesn't sound fun. I had way, way, way more fun with the first, first six levels of this game. I'm not talking about just like read a, the whole thing about everything. It's like, just tell, figure out what town you're supposed to go to and what item you're gotcha. looking for. Okay. Yeah. That's, I don't go have to this cave that. and get this so that you can go do this. If you use the internet as like a modern game waypoint where you're like, where am yes. I supposed to go next? I have no problem with that. Yeah. Um, I have to stop myself from reading through each step of what to do in every level. Yeah. The, uh, that's how I did the ninth dungeon was I just looked at a map and it completely sucked the whole like basically challenge and fun out of at that point. Yeah. The that. only, the only challenge is fighting the enemies. Yeah. Um, th one of the things that I don't think the game does particularly well is that the hit, the, the game feel and hit detection are weird and finicky in this one. I think part of that is there's like, when you use an item or a weapon, you become vulnerable for yeah. a longer period of time than you would expect. So like your shield is pretty good, but when you attack, all of a sudden you're super vulnerable. And so that was when I, I noticed like I want to be attacking, but I, every time I attack, I'm getting blasted. And especially when you are later in the game and the enemies are taking away like three hearts when they hit you, mm. it, that 
felt. You should have had a ring, Jordan. Oh, I did. I did get the ring eventually. But. <laughs> um, well, it's not even that necessarily. Like trying to get through doors sometimes. I'm like, why am I walking into the wall? Because the the entrance to the door is like one square wide, one tile wide. Yeah, you got to line like, it up. All right. Well, when I'm trying to rush through a room and not take damage, and then I'm taking damage because I'm like three pixels to the left too far it's like come on and some doors have traps these like blades that come yeah, and oh, smash yeah. you <sighs> love it gotta love it and then like the sword is like what two pixels wide or something and it like <laughs> so link is like one one tile in size and then you have like this two pixel sword and it the 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 hit detection on it is like only on the pixels so it's like it's a weird it's just a weird like collision system where you're like okay like I, it makes sense or like when you're stabbing into mountains when you kill an enemy that like drops an item yeah where in a place that you can't walk like you can throw your boomerang and grab it or you can like stab into the wall and yeah. it thinks that the sword is part of you it's just like it is nice that the, it's a little weird is all i'm saying it's nice that you can they they realized the limitations of like your hitbox and they let you shoot arrows or throw a boomerang to collect items. That is nice. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's nice. But, and then the, I started playing this game with the, the switch pro controller. No, you gotta, you need a, you need to use the joy cons because the, the D pad is way better. Oh man. Uh, so I play like Mario 35 with the, the switch pro controller. Really? It works, it works fine. Cause I use the D pad on it and I'm not, but in this game, when, all of the directions move your character. Yeah. Like I found myself moving in ways and taking a bunch of damage in ways that I didn't want to. Yeah. And so I had to switch to the joy cons. I don't think it's as big of a problem on the NES. It could be, but I, uh, I love the switch pro controller for modern games, but anything that needs a D pad, you have to use the joy con. Yeah. I like the, the individual arrows on the joy con for yep. some games. And, uh, this is one of those games where if you're playing it on switch, I would recommend joy cons because you're going to like fudge the D pad in a weird way. Speaking of Triforce and Jedi, the plural of joy con is joy con. Okay. Isn't that weird? Nintendo. I mean, no, well they say they, they're called Wii remotes. No, they're called Wii motes and they're called joy cons. We're what? not having this conversation. No, Joy-Con. Nope. We <laughs> remote. We remote. No, we remote is way better. All right, Dan, you got anything else? Uh, I do. I do. Uh, you don't start with full health when you die, which is kind of pretty annoying. It's bad. I had that on my list and I deleted it because I thought it was a little nitpicky. I no, spent a it's lot, not nitpicky because of the beam sword. Yeah, you're right. You should start with full health. Um you, I did a lot of backtracking to the fairy fountain. I memorized the path to the fairy fountain. I memorized the path to the potion shop. You, Anytime you go to a dungeon, you need to stock up on a red potion. It gives you yeah. two full bars. Um, speaking of health annoying things, how long it takes your hearts to fill up when you <laughs> get a potion or a drive That's piece. nitpicky. Yeah. But, uh, no, I think it is a fair criticism because uh, you're going to probably be retrying dungeons unless you're save stating rewinding. And the fact that when I continue in a dungeon and I only have three hearts, especially at the end of the game when you're taking so much damage, it's like, really? And it kicks you Why? all the way back to the entrance. It's not like you're restarting in that room. Like You're already punishing me significantly by sending me back to the, the beginning of the dungeon full hearts would have been nice but it wasn't a deal breaker it definitely was annoying i did exit dungeons multiple times to go to the fairy fountain or to get more potions and i think part of the problem too and i forgot to i think write this down but the you're like get potions and it's like well the rupee drop rate isn't really that great so if you're trying to 
Like you didn't buy the blue ring because it was 250 rupees. You can only hold a maximum of 255 rupees. Yeah. Um, and so it's not like you you just have frivolous money. It's not like Pokemon where you just have more money than you know what to do with. I felt like by the end of the game, I did. I did have full money almost the whole time. Not well. Once I started to use my arrows more, but I always had at least 150 rupees near the end of the game because yeah. the drop rates increased for rupees. But early game, I was constantly having to hunt down enemies for rupees. Yeah, and like at the end of the game, when I had the red candle, I just started burning bushes to look for secrets, and then I stocked up on rupees that way because I found a bunch of uh, the the secret yeah uh, rooms where they're like it's a secret to everybody. I love it's that. It's a secret to everybody. I, that is now how the NPCs in Zelda games speak in my head. They are the teen girl squad. <laughs> the ugly one. So and so. What's her face? Octo rocks. <laughs> For those of you who haven't ever watched Homestar Runner, you don't know who Strong Bad and the Teen Girl Squad are, go on YouTube. I think they're all on YouTube now. Look up Teen Girl Squad. It'll make your life. For those of you who missed that phase when you were 13 years old. Yeah, it, you had to. You had, it's kind of a weird thing because if you were into Homestar Runner, you were probably like a little bit too young for this game specifically, Legend of Zelda. Um, you might have missed this one but got Teen Girl Squad, but you might have gotten Legend of Zelda and missed out on Homestar Runner. So, you know, every generation has its pros and cons. Uh, Jordan, I got one more nitpick. All right. This one. Let's Occasionally, hear this turns into a classic NES slideshow. When there's a bunch of enemies and it's yeah. shooting magic balls and the whole thing, like it's like, oh, this is taking forever to move anywhere. I noticed that too. Doesn't I, happen often. No, I was about to say I noticed it. I didn't write it down because it. I can only think of a few times that it happened that I didn't yeah. remember when I'd be done playing and I'd go and take notes. But it did happen. There's a few rooms where if if you got multiple enemies shooting magic or or you're shooting arrows and like there were a few times when it slowed down a bunch but not very often yeah um i can't remember it ever killing me but it may have well it did i i don't know if it was the slowdown or just the terrible wizard wiz robes um or the deck knights what are the deck knights dark nuts dark, dark nuts Okay, here's an interesting thing. You know the um, like dragon, water dragon that shoots stuff at you. The water dragon. It's like a thing in the water that shoots oh, balls. Oh, yes, yeah. Okay, the Gyarados. It's, it's oh, yeah. It looks like you're. It's called Zola. <laughs> so, using the poorly translated manual, which a bunch of them are wrong, I'm assuming that Zora, because Zoras come up. Okay. So, like, it's because it talks about a half human, half fish. Okay. And it's called Zola, Zora. I'm guessing yeah. that's the Zoras who end up in Zelda, which they end up being these like sort of like beautiful fish human creatures. But okay. in this game, they're like that creepy looking Gyarados thing. Yeah. And also, according to the manual, you pick up rubies. Rubies. Yeah. Rubies. And the Moblins aren't called Moblins. They're called Moblins. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of interesting <laughs> stuff in the in the uh, manual. Yeah. It's definitely worth reading. 50 pages. I think 50 pages makes it long enough to put on your Goodreads account as a book read. So, you know, if you're looking for some quick entries. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else that you don't think the game does so well? This is just real quick. Um, I, I didn't beat the game because I haven't managed to beat Ganon yet. This is the thing. All of the boss fights 
felt fair. They felt like a good level of difficulty. Most of them had like a little trick that made them quirky and you had to figure out what is the trick I have to use to beat this boss. But Ganon just all of a sudden is invisible and you have to run around <laughs> just swinging at the thin air and hope that you hit him. His balls aren't stopped by your magical shield. You lose health super fast. I'm just like, why did they take a good (laughs) boss fight system i liked most of the boss fights like i felt like they were all a good challenge and then they're like what if we made him invisible and you just had to run around swinging at thin air and i'm guessing maybe there is a pattern i only fought him three times i didn't see a pattern um having to fight your way back from the entrance of the dungeon and um with maybe only three hearts maybe like i had to go out and get potions like i know that it's the last boss and he should be hard but i felt like that was that was a little much. I feel like the end of the game is a difficulty spike that just borderline just left a bad, real bad taste in my mouth for the, I don't want to say the whole experience, but it was like, why did this have to be a thing? Like, why can't I just ride off into the sunset right. feeling good about myself instead of having to deal with this miserable pile of secrets? Um, it's that's a Castlevania like, reference, Jordan. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I'd still like, like I said, the first two thirds of this game overwhelmingly loved it, and it was good enough that it is like minimizing my complaints with the the yeah. final third of the game. But you're right, it didn't feel as good as if we had just been able to ride off into the sunset and beat Ganon. Yeah. All right, sunset. That's ride. all I have to say. Off. Never mind. All right, uh, let's move on. So Jordan, yeah, what would you pay for the experience that you had with The Legend of Zelda if <laughs> I know the if this one is interesting because <laughs> it wasn't on the Switch online service or I think we maybe need to start factoring that as part of the price of admission. Yeah, I think we do. This is one of the interesting things. This is one of the very few retro games that I own because I still have Ooh. my copy from when I was a kid. Um so it's hard cuz it's like if oh we're talking we're not talking about the digital switch version we're talking about a, a, a physical one it's like well i have a physical copy that's been in a box in my closet for the last 15 years is it gold or is it gray it's gold why would it be gray because they re-released a gray version of it we'll get to that now. okay no it's gold um yeah so it's hard this is one that i i feel like playing it on the switch is just the way to do it um yeah I don't know. I, I, I love that this exists on the Switch Online service. I think that it makes it easily accessible. Maybe you are like me and you tried this in the past and you didn't get far. Um, I would say, like, th- why not? Just go play it. An- another thing that's great about the Switch Online service version of this game is there's a special version of it where you start with a bunch of the items already. Oh, is, is it starting at Quest 2 or do you just start with all the no, items? No, I think it's just Quest 1. You start with, I think, the blue ring... Um, I think you still have to go to the dungeons to get the essential items that you need to beat the game. Like the Triforce pieces? Uh, no, like the bow. Oh, 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 oh. Like, I think, like Bombs the rafts and stuff like that. Gotcha. But you okay. start with, like, a bunch of money, and you start powered up, and it's maybe a, a better on-ramp for this game. Interesting. 
yeah so all that being said i i don't know what to say um i i <laughs> love that this is included in my 20 dollars a year i think you know that's a great value we had a discussion about this in our discord server this past week about how you know for all of its faults with the nintendo online service like you get a lot of great games for 20 yeah. bucks um, it's hard to separate this from that. Like if I saw this out in the wild and I didn't own it and I saw the gold cartridge at a thrift store or a game shop, um, it looks sweet. It's an iconic <laughs> piece of gaming history. If you're just talking about straight up as a decoration, you're never going to play this game. I would have no problem dropping 10 bucks to put this on my shelf in my office. Wow. And I actually am when I get to go back to my office, I've been working from home for a year. I am going to pull that out of the box and put it on the shelf <laughs> of my office because it's a sweet thing. Why do I have it in a box? Yeah. And now that I've beaten it, I'm not, I haven't beaten it. I'm going to beat it. I'm going to freaking take down Ganon. Um, <laughs> and then I'm like, I can put it on my shelf cause I've beaten this game. Yeah. Uh, my gut is saying 15 on this one. Um, although man, it's hard to, to separate, because I've had, this is one of the, when people are like, do you like Zelda? I'm like, I like 2D Zelda. So that's funny. Because when like, people ask you, you like 3D Zelda. I like 3D Zelda. Yeah. But now I'm starting to gain an appreciation. I didn't even mention, I started playing Link's, Link's Awakening, the new version on Switch, yeah. at the exact same time that I started playing this. Uh-huh. And I kind of had to like set that off to the side to be able to finish this in time. Yeah. But man, it's really cool to do that. If you have Link's Awakening, play it at the same time as this game. And you can just like, you see so much that they built off of and um like where where they took it and that was a really intriguing thing because i don't have any other experience with 2d zelda okay um so you've never so, played the original Link's awakening no on the game boy no 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 <laughs> like i my only experience with 2d zelda was like okay. trying and failing to ever find even the first dungeon in nes zelda yeah i think maybe it'll be interesting if we go to Link's awakening at some point for you to have the two to compare side by side isn't uh, it like just like a straight up remake i don't think they changed anything did they well that's what i'm saying will be interesting for you to give us that insight gotcha 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 what they've changed yeah um because i don't know anyway you were saying you like 2d zelda i like 2d zelda uh this is one of the games that i'm like i like this game uh from my childhood yeah and, you know i didn't beat it till a decade ago and then i was i enjoyed playing it again now um so i do have nostalgia for this game are you going to wait another decade to play it again? Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, with all of that factored in, what would you pay for this game? <laughs> I, I already said 15. All right. uh, it did scratch an itch though. Like I've been wanting to get through the legend of Zelda again because I distinctly remember, I think it was high school, like summertime where I would like play my NES games and you know, um, when I was, I don't know, 16 or 17. And I remember like getting further in the legend of Zelda than I ever had. And like getting the blue ring for the first time and like starting to understand it. It's like, man, yeah, that just felt really good to be exploring new parts of the legend of Zelda. Right? That's why I loved. And, uh, so I was happy to, to play through this game again, uh, to get that sense of like, oh yeah, I got the cool, like new items. There's, I had forgotten enough to make this game feel special. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is it's hard to to separate nostalgia on this one. Yeah. Because I, it's one of those games. That's all right. I think but, that's fair. When, yeah. you, when you're talking about something as iconic as this, I think that makes sense more so than like unjustifiable nostalgia glasses for yeah. some like random obscure game like yeah. a WWF 90 
four or whatever the game we played was on N sixty four. Yeah, ninety four. The, the the crazy thing about WWF ninety four on N sixty four. I'll take it. Just make it. Was make that fun it of came me. out? Just make fun <laughs> of me. It's fine. All of like seven years. <laughs> it came out in like two thousand one, but they called it WWF ninety four. Uh, it you started. Know what I meant. It started its life before the N sixty four. Uh, was released into the wild. Sorry, it was what just a, was the game just, actually called, Dan? <laughs> are you talking about WrestleMania 2000? No, are you talking about No Mercy? No Mercy. Are you talking about WCW NWO Revenge? No Mercy, which WCW is what you're showing me right now. You're showing me No Mercy when I just misspoke. I'm sorry. I didn't know the name of the stupid game. And my point was that some games you can justify the nostalgia glasses because they're so iconic and some games are WWE No Mercy. Jordan, first of all, that wasn't WWE No Mercy. They oh were WWE gosh, at that point. You know what uh, I if mean. You're gonna... <laughs> I'm trying to connect with you and speak your language and you're mocking me. And you're not because that's one of the greatest wrestling games, if not the greatest wrestling game of all time. And that is one where you are definitely wrong about it. Agreed. Not even agree to disagree. Just disagree. Just straight up disagree. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about Zelda. Uh, yes, let's pressure. talk about Zelda. What do you think that this one's going for? What do you think the gold cartridge is going for? Uh, so yeah. this is, I feel like I didn't know there was multiple cartridges. I feel like the gold one obviously looks cooler, but I feel like it must be cheaper because I didn't even know there was gray ones. So is the gray one maybe more expensive? Even you though might be onto cool. something there. All right, so let's say the gold one. Uh, it's so hard. I never know. You guys are you retro game collectors are silly. Uh, I'm going to say it sells for $22. Uh, that is not a bad guess. It uh, actually goes for 26 All right. So you're, you're, you're right in the range there, Jordan. So you could buy a year of Nintendo online service or you could buy a copy of this. I would say that the Switch online service is probably a better use of your money since you get so much out of it. You do. Yeah. No, that, yeah, I agree. Uh, Jordan, what do you think that the pale version of, of this the game gold one is going for <laughs> uh 20 let's say 36 you think i don't know think about the pal tax on this one so it's more than that just tell me what i don't know i said 36 let's uh the pal version of this game price trading currently says 62 dollars oh goodness jeez yeah. you guys waited an extra month and then cranked the price up by three yeah i don't know why it's crazy um the gray version, Jordan. All right, so I th- I'm thinking it's more expensive. I'm gonna say the gray one starts, you know, for a North American copy or whatever. I'm gonna say uh, 42. Close. It's 38. All so right. 26 for the gold version, 38 for the the five screw version. Five screw. Yeah. So some of the NES cartridges have five screws. Oh, on instead the back. of three. And so yeah, the five screw version of this version goes for $12 more than the gold version. What about the three screw version? I think that's the gold version. Oh, I don't oh, think oh, there oh, is a I gray see. three screw version of this. I could be wrong about that, it's but probably worth according a million to dollars. price charting, uh, there is a version of this that's like an obscure promo from like, I think a noodle company from Japan that's like a thousand dollars. I think nice. there's like a, a, like a Doki Doki panic, like licensed noodle i don't know what the difference is i saw something about it on the wikipedia page gotta love it's insane gotta love the noodles uh all right so there's no pal gray version i don't know it's just the price starting just said the pal version was gotcha oh okay. going for a lot for our pals 
Nice. Um, I I'm, think on a technicality. Yeah. We got to call this one worthless. I said 15. You said 10. Just like by the binary nature of this podcast, like I think that $26 is is too much to experience this game, but there are so many ways to experience this game yes. for less than that, whether right. that's buying a copy for a few bucks on 3DS or on your Wii U. Right. Uh, if you would have picked up a copy on the Wii, I think that On your Wii U. Worth. We are the only two Wii U owners There's, in the world. Jordan. Wasn't there like 13 thousand people of us <laughs> it was an embarrassing low number 13 million i'm keeping mine because you know million. that all that means is i'm not a hoarder but i have a feeling that the wii u is going to be one of those like things like a sega saturn where it just yeah, is worth yeah. a, a oh, bazillion dollars 100 it is going to become the gamecube of the future where there's going to be a bunch of revisionist history and people no, realize see, well, don't see, say here's, gamecube i want it to be no, more than here's a the thing jordan People have, like, they're rediscovering the GameCube as yeah. like, this console that they love. I they think are. that when you look at Nintendo porting all of the games that they made for the Wii U over to the Switch, with the exception of Star Fox Zero, just fix the game and port it, please. Um, fix the game, like, completely change the control scheme? Yes, like, make it playable. Just yeah. make me not waggle at my TV. I hate when I have to waggle my Wii stick. <laughs> um so yes, the the Wii U version will probably, or the Wii U will probably be um, collectible in the future. Cash money. <laughs> um, but however, anyways, so the NES version, I'm going to call it worthless, but there's so many cheaper ways to play it that you should play The Legend of Zelda if you never have. Yeah. And you so should play it with a walkthrough. This is not like uh, trying to make a, a disclaimer. We're saying that this game on the NES don't pay 26 bucks for it. But because you can find this game to play so many other ways, I'm saying the NES copy, worthless. The game itself, since it's accessible in so many different ways, worth it. Yeah. Find it, yep. play it. It The game is worth it. Um, just, you know, you don't have to spend 26 bucks to play this game. No, no. Unless you want to. You could. <laughs> if you're a collector, you don't care about what we say in this portion ever. So Yeah. I don't care. I know, I <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. I'm sitting across. I from proved to like myself delusional. time and time again that I don't care about my own advice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we we might have made a mistake by naming the show what we did and making it a part of the show to, you know, use a binary rating system. Of work. <laughs> it's. I like that when we ask this question on Instagram, that worthless is too long to fit in the bubble, <laughs> so it automatically splits splits it up into worth less, and then That's I don't funny. have to like have the arguments every time with people yeah. who say no game is worthless it's like well yeah okay it's obviously uh, we're using hyperbole um for the purpose of a podcast that's not true some games are worthless but that's a different conversation for a different day shots fired yeah i'm looking at you battle toads no even battle toads <laughs> isn't worthless yeah yeah it's it's worth it for about two levels um jordan do we have trivia today um, I think that I the trivia questions that I have have all been covered in your extensive fun facts today. So Bimmy and Jimmy, none today. Oh, and then man. I kind of spoiled one of them, so I'm sorry for that. But I think that we we talked about so many fun facts that trivia is sort of irrelevant today. Yeah, maybe it's irrelevant, but the whole point is for me to try to get a question right, Jordan. I did ask you one of them kind of on accident earlier about. Um, Oh, shoot. Which one was it? I asked you one earlier, and now I can't remember what it was. Oh, well. Sorry, guys. Jordan uh, didn't do his job. 
Hey, if I don't let you down at least <laughs> once in an episode, then what am I here for? At least seven times in an episode is usually the For all of you the out there who love this game, I didn't say this one was worthless, and I didn't say I had a bad time with it, so yeah. I have to let you down some other way. <laughs> uh, Jordan, we have a bounty going on this month. Yes. The Legend of Zelda bounty in honor of the anniversary of the game. Yes, we are giving away a digital copy of Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild for the Switch. Mm-hmm. It's a great game, one of my yeah. favorites, and it's an easy one to win. All you have to do is send us a direct message on social media or on Discord um, and let us know what is your favorite Zelda moment or memory. Maybe it was when you know you you got the, the blue ring for the first time in Legend of Zelda. Maybe it was... <laughs> Uh, watching the Legend of Zelda cartoon. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever it is. Maybe it was the us- first time you heard, excuse me. Yes, we've already gotten that <laughs> one a couple times. So uh, send us a direct message on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or on Discord. You can find us most of those places at WIOW Podcast. You can send us an email. An email. What What the email? <laughs> a worth it or worthless podcast at gmail.com. I had to get one more strong bad reference in here. Of course. Um, yeah, and you just let us know and and we'll add you to the list. We'll do a drawing at the end of the month and you could be our winner. You can also earn extra entries by just coming on Discord and chatting with us. Mm-hmm. Our Discord keeps getting new people and more and more people and it's yeah, awesome. We it's, love talking with great. you guys about video games. If you don't know what Discord is, it's basically just like a chat room. we got a bunch of different uh, chat rooms and come and talk about gaming or not gaming or Pokemon, Pokemon or WandaVision, WandaVision, whatever. Just come in and talk with us. It's a great group of people. Everybody's nice. There's no trolls yet. If you're a troll, don't come. We don't want you. <laughs> or you can self-promote. We've got a self-promotion channel. Yeah. You're a streamer, you got a podcast, you got a YouTube channel, you can come in there and tell us about it. And just by participating, you can earn entries, and maybe you could be our winner this month. Yep, yep. Uh, one one note about the Breath of the Wild code, Jordan. It's a North American code, um, so you're going to need a North American Switch account to be able to redeem that. Which, even if you aren't in North America, you can make an extra user on your Switch, set it as North American, and you can play the game that way. So it should be open to anybody. Right. I just wanted to Yes, it is a, a good caveat to note. Uh, Jordan, do we have anything else before we uh, ride off into the sunset with our music segment? I think that's going to wrap us up for this week, but we will see you in two weeks with a brand new episode. Oh, that's good. I like that. You've reminded me. Uh, we are doing super Marchio bros. Yeah. March is going to be a Mario month, Jordan. We're going to do, uh, as of right now, subject to change. Probably, probably, probably won't Mario party. In a little game called Super Mario World. Super Mario World. Another game that I played but never beat, so hopefully I can change that yeah. one. Well, you're going to have to get good. There's no walkthrough for that one. That's you fine. You just got to actually be good at video games. I'm ready once. for that. I'm ready to just sit down and play a game. <laughs> uh, all right, my friend. We're closing out the show with uh, uh, a guy we like a lot, Mikkel. Yep. Uh, Zelda and chill with the Legend of Zelda episode, you know. One of the best. Yeah, so we had to close out the episode with The Legend of Zelda off of Zelda and Chill Volume 1. Both volumes of Legend or Zelda and Chill are very good. Very good. Um, A lot of Game Chops music, that's the label. Just very good. But this album in particular is just so, so good. So good. We're not even, yeah, we, we're not even, we're not even being paid to say that. We just like them so much that it was on both of our like top uh, Spotify lists. And thankfully they're creative comments. So we can use them on the show. Yeah. Go listen to them. It's great. It'll make your day. Make sure you listen to Zelda and Chill wherever it's streaming on YouTube and Spotify. Good night, all you cool cats and kittens out there. Thanks for listening. Bye.
Welcome to Worth It or Worthless, a show about the Legend of Zelda, where every episode we talk about the Legend of Zelda. What kind of hijinks did that pig Ganon get up to today? <laughs> I always thought Ganon looked good as a blue pig, but it's hard to tell what color he is, eh? Can't see him. We've got a veritable John Cena. This one. Oh, that's quite what literally. he's based on. Yeah. Did I as the wiki <laughs> As I was reading Wikipedia. Yeah. Learning about this game, I actually found out that John Cena was the inspiration for the Ganon fight. That's that's uh that's good good to know. I didn't know. That actually changes a lot. I need to rewrite all my notes. You didn't understand the WWE references and <laughs> In 1986's The Legend of Zelda? The WWE references, especially. All right. All right. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's, Let's see how quickly this. we can get this one off of the rails. Why would it go qu- why quickly off the rails? It's a, ni- a nice slow train wreck is better. <laughs> slow motion train wreck. All right. <clears throat>